I, um, in that marathon message uh, of last Sunday, uh, that Brother Josh always has to make me feel good by telling me exactly how long I preached. And um, uh, anyhow, so um, at some point last Sunday, I made mention of the fact that I felt like the Lord had already talked to me about this service tonight and uh, felt like the Lord had put something in my heart for this particular service. And so it's been working on me for uh, several days now, in fact, well over a week, that uh, this has been just working on me, on my heart, in my spirit, and I hope tonight that I can deliver it uh, the way that I feel it. And um, I, uh, I certainly desire and need the help of the Lord. Praise God. I was talking to a young preacher some time back who had made a comment that he never got nervous preaching. And I said to him, I said, well, let me just tell you, I've been preaching now for more than 40 years, 45 to be exact, 45 years. That's a long time. Uh, I've been preaching 45 years, and I want to tell you, I still get nervous when I get behind a pulpit because I know I can't do this on my own. This is not the same as giving a speech. I'm telling you, I, I can have a, 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 a good set of notes and a thorough sermon outline put together but it's not going to affect the hearts of men. It's only by the power of God that anything good is going to be accomplished. I can't do it with enticing words of man's wisdom. And so you know what makes me nervous? I just get nervous saying, God, I just hope I can find the vein of the Holy Ghost and I pray that you'll help me. If you don't, it's going to be a disaster. Even after 45 years, it's going to be a disaster if God doesn't help me. I need his help tonight. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I recognize that need of him. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. And so tonight, I'm going to go back and revisit something that I've taught around here. I've, uh, I've dealt with it. And, and even uh, not just teaching a lesson, uh, but, but even many times in the course of a service and... Um, either before or after the preaching. I've, I've mentioned this portion of scripture to this church. And I've made some comments about this church and I, I, about this passage to this church. And I stand behind those comments. However, I have, I've gotten a little bit of insight that I think helps me uh, to understand this passage even better. And I hope it will help you as well. Praise God. Amen. So will you help me tonight? Can I get some folks that will really help the preacher tonight? Preaching is not a one-man show, not real Holy Ghost preaching. It's not a one-man show. Amen. It's, it's something all of us have to be involved in. We've all got to be participants 
in this process. I do want to see somebody receive the Holy Ghost before we leave tonight. And in order for that to happen, there's got to be a real flow of the spirit from the pulpit to the pew, back to the pulpit. There's got to be something going on in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. And I want that to take place. And I want you to turn to the book of Esther. I want you to turn to the book of Esther tonight. And um, it's one of those small, short books that sometimes we have a hard time finding in our Bibles because it's easy to just kind of overlook it. But I tell you what, if you can find the book of Psalms, now I'm going to do better than Brother Herring. Brother Herring used to tell you what page it was on in his Bible. And, and was it you? Was it your Bible? that He had the same Bible as Brother Herring, and so it was the same page number. But, but I knew it didn't work that way for everybody else. So I'm going to help you out more than that. If you can find the book of Psalms, if you can find the book of Psalms right before that's the book of Job. All right? Right before that's the book of Esther. So that ought to, that ought to help you find this passage. Amen. Esther chapter 5. It's a little bit, um, little bit of a lengthy reading, not because it's that many verses, but it's just there's some long verses in the book of Esther. I don't know if you ever noticed it, but there's some really long verses in this book. And, uh, and so uh, I'm going to read to you tonight Esther chapter 5 and verses 1 through 8. Esther 5 verses 1 through 8. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel. She had a garment she needed to wear for this occasion. She wasn't going to come casually. She had... She had a very crucial job to do. And she wasn't going to approach it casually. She put on her royal apparel and she stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Oh, there's so much. I'm trying my best to hold back. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold back tonight. There's just so much here that the king listened to the voice of his bride and said, I'm going to start ordering this Haman around. I'm going to tell Haman what he's going to do because my, my queen's got a request here. I want to please the queen. So... He said, tell Haman, you, you, you make Haman 
get ready for this. Uh, Cause Haman to make haste that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. The king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them and I will do tomorrow as the king hath said. All right. So I'll talk about the setting. I'll talk about, I'll explain all of this in just a few moments. But, but there, is, there is an event that Esther has planned and um, it appears to me in reading this that this was not something that she was going to go home and do. It, it appears to me she already had it ready because she said, she said the first request, she said, uh, if it seems good to the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared. Now, he's got verse 8 up there, but I'm reading to you for, from verse 4. The first time she approached the king, let them come to the banquet that I have prepared. It's already ready. And I want you to come to the banquet and bring Haman with you. And so they came to the banquet and the king said, now tell me what it is you want. And she said, all right, what I want is there'll be another banquet tomorrow. And I want you to come to that banquet as well. You and Haman, join me for lunch tomorrow, would you? Hallelujah. And they did. And we're going to talk about all this in just a few moments. But I want to, I want to preach to you for just a little while tonight about a banquet fit for a king. A banquet fit for a king. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel this tonight. A banquet fit for a king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you lift your hands right now and ask the Lord to help us. Ask the Lord to talk to your heart. Ask him to use me and to help me tonight. I need the help of God. Oh, let's talk to the Lord together. Jesus. Jesus name could we praise him one more time before we're seated tonight 
Can we praise him a little bit more than that? Can we praise him with a little bit more intensity tonight? Come on, he's been good to us. He's been good to us. He's been good to us. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I, um, for time's sake, because I've got, I've got so much ground to cover, and I don't want this to be a repeat performance of one hour and 46 minutes, or whatever it was he told me last week. I, 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 don't, I don't want this. Don't anybody get nervous. I'm not, I, I don't have the energy tonight. I don't know where I got it last Sunday night, but, but I don't have it tonight for sure. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, and so I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to just explain for the sake of those who may not know the, the, the details of this story that Haman was a high official in the, the court of King Ahasuerus, who was king over Babylon. At this point in history, Babylon was the, the most powerful kingdom in the world. There was no kingdom that rivaled Babylon. Most other countries, at least in that part of the world, were under the dominion and rule of Babylon. So King Ahasuerus really was the most powerful man on the earth. Now I'm going to tell you, when you get a position with the most powerful man on earth, you got a little bit of power yourself. Hallelujah. And Haman somehow had won the favor of the king. And the king exalted him, the Bible says, above all the princes. Now, I don't know just exactly the extent of his authority, but he was obviously a very powerful man. But the thing about it with Haman is it went to his head, as power generally does. Uh, That's right, that's right. And and I'm not going to get into politics tonight but I'm going to tell you in many many cases you can take a very good person put them in a position of power and before you know it they're corrupted it, it can it, it's not it's not absolute every time but it happens a lot way 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 too much all right Haman Haman became so lifted up in pride he walked around with an arrogance he walked around the king had said that this man now is of such prominence that when he passes by you have to kneel before him and so every day as Haman would make his trek to and from the king's palace uh, the people would bow before him and every time they bowed his ego grew a little bit more until he passed a certain Jew by the name of Mordecai. And there was something in the heart of Mordecai. It's called integrity. Mordecai knew that God didn't want us bowing before anybody except God. So he didn't care how powerful or prominent Haman was. Mordecai said he's not God, so I won't bow. So Haman's walking up the steps of the palace and all these people are bowing before him except Mordecai. And Mordecai stands out like a sore thumb. And he hurts Haman even worse than a sore thumb. It's getting to Haman's ego. Here's a man who refuses to bow. 
And I'm telling you, he can't think of the power he's got. He can't think of the position he has. He can't think of all the things he can get accomplished. All he can think about is there's one man that won't bow. And it consumes his life to the point that he finally gets the king aside one day. He doesn't tell the king who or what. In fact, you can go back and read it. He doesn't even identify that it's the Jews that he's talking about. He just says to the king, there is a people spread abroad in your kingdom that really they're not, they're not obeying your laws. They don't do what you tell them to do. It's not in your best interest to keep them under your power. The best thing we can do is declare open season on them. And he said, I will personally give thousands in silver to anybody that will kill the Jews. Let's set a time. Let's put hunting season, if you please, on the Jewish people. And, and I'm going to pay them to kill these. Now, again, he didn't tell the king who. He just said there is a people. And the king, without researching, without looking into it, the king trusted Haman. And so he just wrote a law. All right. Go after it. Do what you want. Word spreads. I, I don't want to belabor this. I don't want to. But, but you got to understand what brought us to the scripture that is our text. So the word is spreading through the kingdom, especially among the Jews. Your head now has a price tag on it. And there's nothing you can do because the law says people are going to be rewarded to kill you. Now Mordecai, he said, you know, we got to fix this problem. And it just so happens that I know somebody. I got friends in high places. <laughs> in fact, the scripture had already told us that there was a certain young lady. She was the daughter of Mordecai's uncle. That makes them cousins, all right? But, but the Bible says that Mordecai had raised Hadassah whose name was changed to Esther. Mordecai had raised this girl. So in a way, he was not just her cousin. He was her foster father. All right? So there's a degree of loyalty. There's a degree of love between Mordecai and Esther. And Mordecai said, this one that I raised is now sitting beside the king. She's the queen over this. That's a little bit higher than Haman. So what I got to do is get word to Esther and she can take care of this for us. So she sent, so he sent word to her. Now, you know, protocol didn't allow for him just to go marching in the palace and say, I'm here to see the queen. Especially because he, since he was there as a captive. All right. He'd been taken captive from the land of Israel. He's there as more or less a prisoner of war. You don't just walk in. You don't just walk in to the palace when you're a prisoner of war. Right? So he, I need you to replace the batteries here so I can, my throat, my voice is already shot and I, that helps me tremendously. So I'm going to try to take it easy till you get this done. <sighs> Hallelujah. Now, so he sent word to Esther and he said to her, look, this law has been passed and the Jews are going to die 
Now Esther writes back to him. Because he's wanting her to go in. You may have to help me here, all right? You can see and I can't. So, so get that plugged up back there and get me some sound in my ear again. Uh, you know, people who listen to these CDs must wonder what in the world is going on there. Praise God. All right, thank you, thank you. So um, he says, I want you to go in and talk to the king about this. I want you to save our hides. You go talk to the king. And she sent back word to him, Esther 4, verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. Now, now listen to what Esther's saying. Esther says, I don't care. I don't care if you're Haman. I don't care if you're the queen. You don't just approach the king and tell him what you want. There's a law, Mordecai. I love you. I appreciate what you've done for me, but there's a law. And if I decide to just walk into the throne room unannounced and uninvited, the king can have me killed. Now, he does allow for exceptions. If he decides that it's okay for you to be there, he'll extend his royal scepter. And if he does that, that means you get to live. But not everybody gets that. And he said, she said, furthermore, Mordecai, I, I want you to know the king hasn't even talked to me in a month now. So how would you feel about just bursting in unannounced? I'm his wife, and he hasn't spoken to me in 30 days. So in other words, Mordecai, I'd really like to help you, but this is one time I just can't take that chance. So Mordecai wrote back to her. And um, he said, you know, there's something I really would like for you to think about here. Let's read uh, verses 13 and 14. Chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Now stay with me. I'm going somewhere tonight. Don't, don't, don't get too comfortable. I'm going somewhere. All right, verses 13 and 14. Read. Then Mordecai I commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself. Think not with thyself. Escape. That thou shalt escape. In the king's house. In the king's house. More than all the now, Jews. Now, you know what he's saying? Um, Esther, you might want to go look at your birth certificate. You may be queen, but you're a Jew. And this law says all Jews. So just because you're in the king's house doesn't mean you're exempted from this law. You understand, Esther, that on that day, every Jew will die. You will die. Read. For if thou 
all together hold and if you all together time, hold your peace at this time then shall their enlargement let me just tell you something arise. now listen remember this is her foster father this is the man who's raised her all right he can talk to her pretty plainly pretty boldly she knows she trusts his his judgment and, and so she may be the queen but but this man raised her she trusts him and he said i just want you to understand something esther if you don't do this you better understand one thing God's not going to let his people down. And there will enlargement and deliverance arise from somewhere else. Yeah. If you're not going to do it, God's going to raise up somebody who will. But you're a Jew and you're going to die like the rest of us. Thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Shall be destroyed. And then he asks a question. And who knows, and who knows thou whether you are to the come to the kingdom for such a time, such as, this. A time as this. Esther, you want to think about this. You were brought here as a captive too. You're a prisoner of war as well. But for some strange reason, you're now the queen. What's the chances of that? Don't you think, Esther, that maybe God had his hand in putting you where he did? And don't you think if God put you where he did, it's because he's got a job for you to do? Who knows? But what this was the whole reason why you were made queen in the first place. So Esther had to weigh it out. Here's her choices. If I do nothing, I die because I'm a Jew. If I go to the king unannounced, I might die. But there is a chance. There is a chance that even though he hasn't talked to me in 30 days, even though I haven't heard his voice, even though I haven't felt his presence, even though I've not set foot in his throne room for a month now. There is a chance. He might extend that scepter and have mercy on me. He might just give me a chance. Now, I don't know if he's going to do what I want him to do, but I'm going to tell you, if I do nothing, I die. If I do something, I might die, but I might live. And I might be able to save my people. So her response to Mordecai this time was this. Tell you what. I'm going on a fast. And I want you to ask every other Jew to fast. Three days. We're not going to eat. We are going to put ourselves. We're going to humble ourselves before God. We're going to ask for God's help. We're going to ask for God's mercy. We're going to fast. And at the end of three days, if I perish, I perish. Now that's what's going through her mind. So the fast is over and the day has come. I can only imagine how nervous she must have been walking down those halls. Her, her sandals, whatever she had on, clicking against the marble stones. The things that are going over in her mind and her heart. 
as she gets nearer to the door of that throne room. What's going on in her heart? But Esther had a plan. She had a plan. When she slipped into that throne room, the king saw her. And the Bible says she found favor in his sight. And he extended to her that scepter. Now, not only did he welcome her into his presence, but the king, the most powerful man on the face of the earth, extended to her an offer that is mind-boggling. He didn't just say, it's good to see you, and I welcome you here. But here's what he said, chapter 5, verse 3. And the king said to her, what wilt thou, Queen what Esther? What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is thy request? What is your request? It shall be it given shall thee, be given thee to, the half, of to the, the half of the kingdom. Look, he understood better than anybody she had risked her life to do what she had just done. He knew this was a big chance she was taking when she walked into that throne room. But I'm going to tell you, there was something in his heart. He loved her enough. He said, Esther, you just tell me what it is. There's a reason why you're here, and I know it. You didn't just walk in to say good morning. You didn't just walk in to say hello. You didn't just walk in to say long time no see. If you did this, there's something you're worried about. Now tell me what it is, and I want to tell you, Esther, whatever you ask me, up to half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. Now I'm going to tell you, it must have steadied Esther's nerves a little bit. It must have put a little bit more steel in her spine as she straightened up a little bit and, and, and maybe smiled and, and, and was feeling a little better, wiping a little bit of that sweat, you know, that cold, nervous sweat that, that was pouring from her. And, and, and she's standing before the king, and, and the king said, I'm going to give you whatever you want. Tell me, you name it, Esther. Name it! She said, I want you too eat supper with me tonight. Now, I can only imagine the puzzled look on the king's face. You did all this. You came in here to invite me to supper. Yes, sir. All right, I told you I'd give whatever you ask. I'll be there. She said, you and Haman, meet me tonight. Yes, ma'am. He starts barking orders. Somebody go get Haman. Tell him he doesn't have anything else to do that's more important than what I'm telling him to do right now. You go get him ready. We are headed to the banquet that the queen has prepared. He's going to sit there and eat with us tonight. Oh, hallelujah. And so they went and they sat down at the meal. And as they're sitting there that evening and they're eating, the king, he's a smart man. He says, you didn't risk your life to cook supper for me. 
Chapter 5, verse 6. The king said to Esther. He said to Esther. At the banquet of wine. At the, at the banquet. So now they're at this meal. And he says to her. What is thy Esther, petition? What's your petition? And it shall be granted thee. You see that you didn't come in to ask me to dinner. He's saying the same words he had said earlier in the day. What is your, position, your petition? It shall be granted thee. And it's what going is to be thy granted you. What is your request? Even to the half, Even to the half of the kingdom, performed. it shall be performed. This is the second time this day that the king says this to Esther. You just name it, Esther. You just name it. And as long as it doesn't exceed half of my kingdom, which was spread over nearly all of the then known world, as long as it's not more than half of that, I'll give it to you. And she straightened up in the chair and she looked at Haman and she looked at the king and she smiled and she said, my request is, um, my petition is, verses seven and eight. Then answered Esther and said, my petition and my request is, if I have found favor in thy sight. If I found favor in thy sight. And if it please the king, if it to, grant the king to grant my to, request. And to perform my request, uh -huh. let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them. And I will do tomorrow as the king has said. Let's do lunch tomorrow. Now, I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. The setting at the meal, the banquet meal. And the king says to her, all right, I'm asking you a second time. Just tell me what you want. She said, what I want is join me for lunch tomorrow, would you? I got another banquet I'm going to set up just for you, O king. And then she said, and I will do what you've asked me to do at the banquet tomorrow. And she did. When they got to the banquet that next day, the king asked her again the third time now in two days. Are you with me? The third time in two days, he said the same thing to her. What's your request? What's your petition? I'll give you up to half the kingdom. And finally, she says, king, there is a problem. My people are about to be destroyed. And he said, who did this? The man sitting at the table with us. And the king was angry. And I, I, could, I, could, I don't, I don't want to belabor all of this and go through all the details. The king was angry. God walked around. Haman knew he was in a heap of trouble then. He goes and appeals to the queen. And he's trying to get her and, and, and accidentally knocks her backward. And right at that moment, the king walks in. And he sees Haman here over the queen. And the king said, that's it. You're not just fired. You're dead. That's right. That's what happened. That's rigging revised, but that's what happened. Now, I, I want to tell you, this has, this has always bothered me. It's always troubled me. It's always, and I've, I've said it to this church, I don't understand. Esther having this situation, walking in before the king, it was a courageous thing for her to do, but it was really the only choice she had. Still, it took courage to do it. But when she got in there and the king said, I'll give you anything, 
Why didn't she just say, here's what I need. My people are going to die. Instead of saying, now I'm going to cook you a meal. And when she got back that evening, they're sitting at dinner. And he says it again. Why didn't she say, my people are about to be destroyed? No, I want to cook a meal for you again tomorrow. And after two good meals, she finally tells him what she wants. And, 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 and Brother Hilton, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about how we really need to get a revelation of the fact that, that the King of Kings really does want to answer our requests. And, and that's true. That's true. Uh, Esther, I believe, had unfounded fear. She didn't understand how much the king loved her. Are you hearing me? She didn't comprehend just how much he cared for her. She really didn't. Now, I'm not putting her down. I think any one of us in the same situation would have felt the same way. All right? I'm not criticizing her. But I'm just telling you, there was something about it that she really didn't understand just how much she meant to the king. But I will tell you this. She may have been wrong on that. But there was one thing that she evidently got right. And this is, this is what I've missed all this time about all of this. It, it wasn't that Esther was standing before the king and she's been presented with this uh, idea of, you tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. And then she starts thinking, hmm, what can I ask? What can I ask? Oh, I'll fix dinner. No, no, no. The Bible says she invited him to a banquet she had already prepared. This was planned. She walked in there with the smell of food, no doubt, wafting down the halls. She knew what she was doing. This wasn't a dumb girl. She knew exactly what she was doing. She let that aroma begin to fill the palace. She probably had those cooks kind of moving, you know, the, the grills over a little closer there to the door. Let's get them over here by the window. Can't some of you guys get some fans and let's, let's, let's let that smell get over there. I, I want him to, as, as I walk in, I want him to start smelling this. I want something to be stirring up inside of him. Well, see, I think that Esther knew something that, that we, we now use it as a cliche. I, I, I tried to look it up, Brother Hilton, uh, and, and found it's kind of a complicated thing to really trace it back. But, but the earliest that we can find was in the 1700s, John Adams. I didn't find whether he was president when he wrote it or if he became president later. But, but John Adams wrote a letter. And in this letter, he made a statement, something that he understood about mankind. And in the 1700s, in this letter, he wrote, the shortest road to men's hearts is down their throats. Now, that, that became popular, and it, 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 it was quoted and requoted and re until finally, about 100 years later, somebody was writing in a book in Tips for Wives, and I forget what she called it, but this was in the 1870s. She wrote this book, and in that book, she made the statement that we now say, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I'm telling you, Esther wasn't dumb. Esther said, you know what? The king may not have called me in 30 days. He may not be interested in me, but I know one thing. I can get him interested in a banquet meal. I'm going to put on a spread that's going to impress him. And if he's not quite ready to do what I want him to do, I'm going to feed him until it's just running out of him. I'm going to get him so happy with the food that I present. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And so the king went to the meal. And I'm telling you, he was enjoying it. And he said again, Esther, just tell me what you want. I'll give you whatever you want. She said, let's do this again tomorrow. What do you say? Let's do this again tomorrow. And he went back. She didn't have to try to convince him. He didn't say, well, I got to check my schedule. He didn't call for the secretary and say, somebody tell me what's on the schedule tomorrow for lunch. No, no, no. You want to feed me like this again tomorrow? Count me in. I'll be there. Hallelujah. You know what she was doing? She was pursuing the king's heart. She was giving the king what she knew would make him happy. Oh, praise God. Amen. And it was in that pursuit and in her attempt to please the king. She was doing it because she had a need she couldn't meet, but the king could. She had a problem she couldn't fix, but the king could. Are you hearing me tonight? She couldn't solve this situation, but the king could. She said, I can't do this. I may be queen, but I still can't do it. But I know somebody that can, and I want to make sure he does. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make him happy. I'm going to give him what I know he's looking for. I'm going to give him what I know will really impress him. Hallelujah. I'm here to preach to somebody tonight. I'm here to tell you every one of us find ourselves in situations that are problematic if not earth shattering. We find ourselves in dilemmas and we know we can't fix it on our own. We know we don't have the ability to straighten it all out. We need help from a higher authority. There is an enemy that wants to destroy us and we can't fix it on our own. But if we can get help from a higher power. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. But you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. The enemy starts telling us, you're not worthy. You're just a captive. You're just a slave. You're no good. You don't deserve to be there. The king's not going to take time for you. You know what our answer ought to be? That might be true. But you forgot something. I know how to get to his heart. I know what it is he's looking for. I know what it is that'll please him. Oh, hear me, somebody. I know what kind of banquet I can prepare for the king of kings. And if I make him happy, once I get in his presence and he's happy, I can ask him anything I want. And he'll grant my request. Hallelujah. I may not be worthy of it, but I'm going to prepare him a banquet that is fit for a king. And when I do, I'm sure when his stomach is full, when he's got a smile on his face, he's going to look down at me and say, what is it that you want? Just tell me what you want. I'm going to give you what you desire. So let me ask you, what is it the king is looking for? What is it that he wants? What is he desiring? What is he searching for? John chapter 4 and verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers the true shall worship the shall Father, worship in, the spirit Father in spirit and in truth. For, for the, the Father, Father seeketh for such. For the Father, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. I'm going to tell you what the Father's looking for. There's one thing he's desiring. There's one thing that he really wants. There's one thing that really makes him happy. If we could forget about our problems long enough to just start giving him the praise that he desires. If we could just give him the kind 
kind of worship that he's worthy of. I'm telling you, the king will not deny your request. The king will not turn you away. The king will not throw you out if you'll give him the worship that he's searching for. Another translation says it this way. The time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And that time is here already. You see, the Father is actively seeking such people to worship him. Oh, hear me tonight. I'm going to tell you, the king of all kings is walking to and fro throughout the earth and he's looking for something. He's trying to find something. He's got lots of people that wear the word Christian across their, their name badge. You know, they want the world to know I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Now that, that's, he's got all of that. That doesn't impress him. King Ahasuerus, Esther wasn't the only woman he had. You hear me? He had plenty of concubines probably had a lot of wives he was a king so the way they did it back then now don't you get any ideas thinking you can do it the bible's very clear very clear that you can you, you, you can only have you, you can only be married to one woman the bible's very clear because Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Hallelujah. All right, I snuck that in on you. Forgive me, ladies, but anyhow, praise God. Look, I'm telling you, the king had lots and lots and lots of women. But Esther said, what I want to do is I want to prepare what he's really looking for. I want to give him a home-cooked meal. I'm not going to call out to, to, to uh, some drive through I'm not going to get dominoes here in 30 minutes. Anybody else can do that. No, no, no. I'm going to spend the morning in that kitchen. And I'm going to get him something prepared that I know is going to make him happy. And I'm saying to you tonight, there's lots of people out there that call themselves Christians. Lots of people that are just saying prayers to him. But God is walking around. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. I want to find somebody that will just forget about everything else and worship me in spirit and in truth. If they'll just give me some heartfelt worship, if they'll just praise me from the depths of their soul, not to impress anybody else, not to try to make anybody else happy, but I'm doing it for the king. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is what the king wants. It's what the king desires. Let me show you. Let me show you. Stay with me just a few minutes. You think about the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You remember that story? He's riding the donkey through that gate, and the people are there, and something's going on. Luke 19, verses 37 through 40. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God. The whole God. multitude. Look, here comes the king. And what are they doing? What are they doing? Praising God. They're not sitting quietly. Mm -mm. They're not giving a little nod. No, no, no. 
the whole multitude began to rejoice, rejoice praise and God, to praise God with, a loud, with voice, a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Uh-huh, read. Saying, Blessed be Say, the king that cometh in the name the of the king Lord. That comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Peace in heaven. And glory glory in, the in the highest. Some of the Pharisees. But some of the religious people. From among the multitude uh-huh. said unto him. Said. Master. Master. Rebuke thy disciples. Tell these people to shut up. They're too loud. They don't need to be acting like this in church. Uh-huh. Tell them to be quiet. Tell them we don't want that around here. Tell them they're being too emotional. Read. And he answered, he and, answered said to and, them, and said to them, I tell I'm going to tell that you something. If these should if hold, these their peace, hold their peace, the stones, the stones would immediately now cry Now get this. Out. Not just the stones will cry out, but the stones will. You know what that tells me? It tells me that when God created this earth, he put something in those rocks. God said, I'm looking for something. I'm trying to find something. There's something that'll really make me happy. There's something that'll really please me. And I want you rocks to be ready. If the people shut up, then you've got this command inside of you. The minute there's not a loud noise coming up before me, the minute people stop giving me the praise that I need and desire, I want you rocks to open your mouths and sing. God wants it. God wants it. God wants it. He wants it so much. He'll make the rocks praise him if he has to. Now, now Matthew tells us when he records this incident, he takes us back and tells us this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah. This was more than 400, I'm sorry, more than 500 years before Christ. More than, more than 500 years before Christ, Zechariah made a prophecy about this event. Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly. O oh, listen to this. Wait a minute. Read that again. Rejoice greatly. Wait a minute. You're not getting that. You can't just sit there and say, praise the Lord. And fulfill the scripture. You can't just applaud politely and fulfill the scripture. Zechariah said, what? Rejoice Rejoice greatly. greatly. Yeah. Read. O daughter of Zion. Zion. Shout. Shout. O daughter of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Behold Behold thy thy king cometh cometh unto thee. He is just just having salvation. salvation. Lowly. Lowly. Upon an ass, upon a cold. Listen, here's what Zechariah said the king's coming and he's looking for something. He's looking for something. He doesn't want just a little praise the Lord or hallelujah or thank you, Jesus. But what the king wants, he wants some people to rejoice greatly. That's why when the multitude said, Tell them to quiet down, tell them to quiet down, Jesus said, Quiet down. What are you crazy? That's Riggin Revised Version. Quiet down. What are you crazy? This is what he's been waiting on. This is what the Father has been looking forward to. They can't be quiet now. All right, let me be a little more polished and dignified. 
take you back to the original language. The word rejoice in the Hebrew means to spin around under the influence of a violent emotion. Rejoice. That, that's just the word rejoice. He said rejoice to spin violently or to spin around under a violent emotion. But he didn't just say rejoice. He said do it greatly. And the Hebrew word here means vehemently, wholly, speedily, diligently, especially, exceedingly. This is what God's been looking for. He's waited for half of a millennia for this to happen. He doesn't want somebody to stand back and be quiet about it. He wants somebody that's going to give it everything they've got. That's what the king wants. Somebody to get lost in worshiping him. You do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. But as for me, I'm not going to let a stone take my place. You rocks, you just keep on holding your peace. As long as I'm around, there'll be somebody that's going to rejoice greatly. somebody you came into this service with a need I'm telling you how to get that need met I'm telling you instead of crying instead of feeling sorry for yourself I came here to tell you there's a way to get your situation resolved why don't you start praising the king why don't you start worshiping the king Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, when Esther prepared a banquet, now Brother Hilton, I really do appreciate the, uh, the grill, uh, grilled hamburgers and chicken that you fixed on July 4th. I really do. It's good. It's all good. Very good. I appreciate you doing that. But I can promise you this. Queen Esther didn't just get out a little barbecue grill. And throw some hot dogs on it. No, no, no. This was a banquet fit for a king. We're going to have more, more courses on this table than what you can even get to. You're going to burn up half your calories just walking to the next plate. I'm going to make sure this is everything he could ever desire. Everything he could ever hope for. Everything that he likes. It's all going to be there, and it's going to be there in abundance. I'm telling you, church, God likes our praise. God loves our praise. We don't need to offer him some hot dog hallelujah. We need to get out a banquet for him. We need to get out a banquet for him and say, God, you deserve better than what I've been giving you. I just want to worship you for a little while. I just want to give you the kind of glory you deserve tonight.
I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Lord, I got so far to go. How long has it been now? I'll tell you quicker than that. No, it hadn't. I started preaching at 7.15. It's been 45 minutes. You, you start counting. When I was giving introductory remarks, you've got to quit counting all that stuff. I, I'm not near as long-winded as you're accusing me of, all right? Don't, don't sit in the house of God and lie to people now. With this, you know, that happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Be, be, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. All right. I'm just having a little fun here tonight. Praise God. I'm just having a little fun. I did start at 715. I noticed. I paid attention tonight. So, so it's been 45 minutes. I'm going to try to wrap this up as quickly as I can. All right. I'm going to try to wrap it up as quickly as I can. I'm telling you, this is what the king's looking for. And throughout the ages, people who got major victories understood this. Joshua, looking at Jericho. Walls, thick enough, history says. Two chariots could ride side by side. That's pretty thick. That's pretty thick. And you got a bunch of ragtag wanderers that have been walking through the desert for 40 years. And they're looking at these walls. And they're saying, how are we going to bring that down? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? The man of God had an answer. He had an answer. Wasn't what anybody thought. It wasn't the answer they were looking for. But it was the right answer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Joshua chapter 6. Verses 15 and 16. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and yeah. compassed the city, compassed the city. after the, the same, same manner, manner seven, seven times. times. Only on that, on day, that day they compassed the city seven times. They went seven times. Now they had done it every day for six days. They went once, but on this day they went seven times. All right, read. And it came to pass, came to pass at the at seventh, seventh time. time when the, priest when the priests blew with the trumpets, blew with the trumpets Joshua, Joshua said, unto the, said people, to the people, shout. He didn't say pull out your cannons. He didn't say get your slingshots ready. He didn't say put the arrows in the bow. He said, here's how we're going to bring this city down. We're going to get the attention of the king. We're going we're to appeal to a higher authority. We, we, can't, we can't do anything on our own about fixing this problem, but I know somebody that can. So I tell you what, Israel, when that trumpet sounds, we're going to shout. Because the king loves that. The king loves that. So verse 20 says this. So the people, so the shouted. people shouted. Hallelujah. When the priests when blew, the, priest the, trumpets, blew the, trumpets, the trumpets. And it came, came to, to pass. When the people heard the, people the, sound, heard of the, the sound of the trumpet. And the people, the people shouted, shouted with a great shout. Not just with a shout. Mm-hmm. Not with a half-hearted holler. Right. But the people shouted with a great shout. And when they did... 
the, that the wall, the wall fell down fell flat. Down that didn't happen because of the marching of the people and it didn't happen because of the sound of the shout it happened because the king was pleased and he said whatever you want Joshua whatever you want whatever you want I'm going to give it to you you want this city no problem hello Olathe you want this city you want this city you want this city no problem for the king. No problem for the king. No problem for the king. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying. Paul and Silas, these are stories you know. These are stories you're familiar with. They just obeying God. They, they, they've had, they've had, a, they've had a, a vision. Somebody in Macedonia said, come over here and help us. Paul went in answer to a divine visitation. And what happened is he's over there trying to do the will of God. And they took him and beat him and threw him in prison for doing the will of God. Now what are we going to do? It's going to be kind of hard to have church in here, huh? I mean, I mean who's going to play the organ? In fact, where is the organ? Man, we don't even have any spoons to beat out a rhythm on. Ain't got no accordion. I don't even have a comb and tissue paper. Some of you young people don't even know what that's all about, but us old fogies, we remember the comb and tissue paper. Anybody remember the comb and tissue paper? Am I the only one? You're looking. At, everybody's looking at me like, what? I have to demonstrate it for you sometime. Not tonight, not tonight. They said, we don't have anything. Man, this is this bad, this bad situation. Here we are locked up in jail. We're supposed to be here starting a church and we're locked up in jail. What are we going to do now? And somebody got a bright idea. Said, you know what? We can't fix this. I can't pick the lock. And I can't cut through the bars. I can't get out of this prison. So what we've got to do is appeal to a higher authority. Because I know somebody that can get us out of here. I know somebody that's not intimidated by this jail cell. So the Bible says in Acts 16, 25 and 26. And at midnight, at midnight Paul, and, Paul Silas prayed, and Silas prayed and said, and Where were you at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get, yeah, give with the program there. This is why it takes me an hour and 46 minutes. <laughs> Acts, Acts 16.25. What's he say? Read it again. And at midnight. At midnight. Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas prayed. They prayed, but that's sang, not all they did. They sang praises, praises unto, God. unto God. He said, hey, Silas, we need some help. We got to have somebody higher yeah. than the jailer, higher than the governor, higher than whoever's over this country. We got to go higher than that. We got to appeal to the king of kings. So you know how we're going to do that? We're just going to give him what he wants. I'm hurting. My, my back is bleeding. I'm suffering. I don't feel like doing anything. But I need God's help. And I know how 
to get his attention. I know what's going to bring him into this jail cell. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And what happened? Suddenly, great earthquake oh listen that earthquake wasn't because they were singing so loud no. No. it wasn't because they were all pounding their fists on the table that earthquake was because the king of kings could I put it this way I think they got such a catchy tune going that the king stood up and said I gotta dance to that when he started dancing the whole earth started shaking that God can't take care of but he's looking for something tonight he's looking for something tonight <laughs> Lord there is so much here I wish I had another Sunday night I don't I don't. Next Sunday night, I already got something else for next Sunday night. I don't have another Sunday night. And I got so much to cover. I, I won't take time to read this whole next passage, but be seated. Let me try to give you the highlights here. Matthew 22, Jesus spoke a parable. And he's, he said there's a king that was having a wedding for his son. And he said, I want you to go out there and invite everybody you can invite and they did. And nobody came. Nobody came. The servants came back. And he said, look, I want you to tell them. I got, I got food ready. I got things here for them. And they went back out. The Bible says they just mocked them and killed them. We're not coming. We're not interested. So the king sent forth his armies and took care of them and then he said to his servants now look the wedding's ready and we got to have some guests here so he said I want you to go out in the highways now get this this is Matthew 22 verse 9 read that one for me just verse 9 go ye therefore into go the highways to the highways and as many and as you find as you shall find bid uh -huh. to the marriage now, now look do, do you see that he said I don't care who they are I don't care who they are now this was a king so most likely his original invitations went out to Nobleman, right? High society, upper class. And they said, no, 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 we're not interested. So now he says, I just want you to get out there in the highways. And he's not talking about, you know, Interstate 70. He's, he's talking about you get out there in the commonly trod paths of commerce where even the poorest hang out. And, and whoever, whoever you find, you invite them to come. I don't care who they are. We're not going to discriminate against anybody. We don't care if they're, if they're upper class, middle class, or no class at all. We don't care. You just bring them. That's what he said. You just bring them. I don't care. Just bring them. So they went out. They brought everybody they could find. In fact, read verse 10. 
So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found. Now look at this. They gathered all as many as they found. Both bad and good. Well, I mean, if, if it's a drunkard, we're bringing the drunkard. If it's a prostitute, we're bringing the prostitute. That's what the Bible says. Both bad and good. And so the wedding was furnished with guests. Not the ones they originally thought would come, but they've got guests now. Right? But let's go on, verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. All right. Read. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? Uh-huh. And he was speechless. All right, no, 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 hang on there. Hang on. Look. The king was not upset that this man was there. He said, I don't care who they are. You bring anybody. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. No pedigree required. You bring them all. I don't care. But then he gets here and he sees this one man. And when he speaks to him, he doesn't say, you bum or you no good for nothing or you... What, what did he call him? How did he address him? Friend. Friend. He said unto him, friend. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that he doesn't want the man there. He wants him there. Yeah. There's another problem. He said, friend, what? How camest thou in how, hither? How did you get in here? Not having a wedding. And not having on a wedding garment. The man had no answer for that. Now, now look. In ancient times, kings, princes were accustomed to making presents of changes of, of raiment for their friends. When they would invite them to come to a royal feast, they would give them a new garment to put on. Didn't matter if they were already wealthy. There was just... Special apparel to be worn in the presence of the king. And as he walked through the guests, he's looking at drunkards. He's looking at thieves. and I mean, the Bible says bad and good. And, and it's all fine. He's okay with this. He's okay with this. Until he comes across one man who just refused to put on the garment He'd been given. The king recognized. You're not dressed properly for this occasion. Now, now you're my friend. I'm, I'm going to call you friend. I'm glad you're here. But if you're going to be here, I want you wearing the garment I prepared for you. Hallelujah. To not put on the garment that the king prepared was considered in, in Bible times the highest act of disrespect that a person could perform. I gave you this garment for you to wear while you're here. Why are you not wearing it? And what's that got to do with us? 
Well, let's look at Isaiah 61, verse 3. To appoint unto them. To appoint unto them. That mourn in Zion. That, uh-huh. To give unto to give them, to beauty, them for beauty for ashes. The oil of, the joy, oil for of mourning, joy for mourning. The garment, the garment of praise. Of praise. You know what our king has given us? He's given us a garment of praise. And if we come in his house and we're just too tired to worship, we're just too exhausted, we're just too frustrated, we're too consumed with our problems, do you understand that's the highest act of disrespect you could give to the king? He's glad you're here. He's not examining your pedigree. He's not asking you who your daddy was or who your granddaddy was. He just said, I've got a garment I want you to put on. Now wear this. When you come in, you ought to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's the garment we ought to be wearing when we come before the king. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, I want you to go back and pick up. I want to show you something. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. And, and, and we'll talk about this. Um, in fact, let's, 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 let's just go. I'm going to ignore verse 13 for just a minute. Go to verse 14. This is Matthew 22, verse 14, the last verse of that parable. And listen to what Jesus said. And I want you to notice this. For many are called. For many are called. But few, but few are chosen. Are chosen. Here's what he said. He's given this parable that, that all these people, good and bad, have all been called to the wedding. But just because you've been called doesn't mean you're going to be accepted the way you are. Many are called, but few are chosen. And you know who the chosen ones are? According to the parable, I'm taking this in context. The chosen ones were the ones wearing the garment. Now, does that word chosen ring a bell to anybody? Does that word chosen sound familiar to anybody? Is there a verse of scripture in the New Testament that talks about a chosen people? How about, how about 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9? But you, but are, you are a chosen generation, generation a, royal, a royal priesthood, a holy, a holy nation, peculiar a people. peculiar people. Why? Should that show you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. Here's what he said. You're chosen. You're chosen. I gave you a garment. I gave you a garment. I want you wearing that garment. I want the world to see you got a garment on and it's a garment of praise. I know, I know, I know. Not everybody can run as fast. Not everybody can shout as loud. Not everybody can dance as furiously. But we need to be doing something to show God we've got on a garment of praise. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying. Now let's back up and catch verse 13, all right? Matthew 22. We're still in this parable about the man not having on a wedding garment. 
Verse 13. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now look, this man didn't sneak in. This man did not climb in uninvited. This man had received a proper invitation to come. But the king said, he doesn't have on the garment. Bind him. You know what happens when you don't wear that garment of praise? I'm telling you, those who don't wear the garment are bound. Those who don't wear the garment are bound. But we have a choice here tonight, Brother Hilton. We don't have to be bound if we'll put on the garment. It's not just that we're not bound. If we'll put on the garment, it goes beyond just the fact that we have liberty. But here's what Psalm 149 verses 5 to 9 says. Let the saints be joyful. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them them sing aloud upon upon their their beds. Yes. Let the high high praises of God God be in their their mouth. mouth. And a two-edged sword sword in their hand. Why? To execute execute vengeance upon the heathen. And punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains. And their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon upon them this judgment written. This This honor have have all the saints. saints. Praise ye the Lord. Listen, here's what I'm telling you. The Bible said if you'll put on that garment you'll start binding the enemy so here's our choice if we don't wear it we're bound if we do wear it we bind the devil it's either bind or be bound I don't know about you but I'd like to be the one doing the binding not the one being bound all right all right I'm, I'm rushing through this. I feel like I'm doing a great disservice to this message tonight because I'm just rushing through this last little bit. How many more scriptures are on your page? Just two. So I'm nearly done, right? All right. I'm nearly done. You can come give them hope. I got two more scriptures and I'm done. And I'm just rushing through this last part. And I hope you're getting it tonight. I was, we, we joke sometimes. I, uh, Brother Hilton could tell you the young preachers um, there's a phrase that I use a lot in talking to them about sermon preparation and, and you know it's one thing you get a good thought and you feel like God's really given you a message but it's another thing to find a good closing and a closing can make the difference in the effectiveness of a message and so I'll tell them a lot of times you know I got, I got this jet sailing but I got to find a place to land this plane You've heard me say that, right? So I'm sitting in my office tonight and I'm saying, God, all right, you've given me this. But I'm telling you, I had no clue how I was going to land this plane. And all of a sudden, the Lord dropped a scripture into my heart. So the landing gear's coming down. That ought to make you smile. Landing gear's coming down. We're, we're Fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. No, unfasten them. <laughs> We're going to try to come in for a smooth landing here. Children of Israel, Brother Hilton talked about it tonight. God delivered them with a mighty hand. Pharaoh's behind them. 
terrain on either side they cannot they, they cannot pass through red sea in front of them god parts the waters they walk across on dry land pharaoh tries to follow them. waters flow over pharaoh god had promised moses these men that are troubling you when i get done you'll never see them again it's over and god kept his word and god buried pharaoh and his army at the bottom of the red sea and when they got to the other side the children of Israel broke out in song. Miriam got her tambourine. And they're dancing. Is that thing still under there? They're dancing. I mean, they're praising. She's got her tambourine. And they're singing. There was something in that's, you know, the words to a song have always mattered to me. They have. I, I, my wife can tell you, as long as I've been pastoring, Sometimes we've, we've had songs we have sung for years and all of a sudden it dawns on me what we're saying and I'm saying, I don't believe that. Here we are singing this song, I don't even believe that. So what do I do? I change the words. <laughs> I don't care who wrote it, I'm going to sing it the way I believe. I'm, I'm not going to sing something I don't believe. Right. Now this church knows, it's been years, some of this church knows, because it's been years since we've even sung it. But, you know, the old Albert E. Brumley favorite that Pentecostals are known to sing. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. The third verse says, just a few more weary days and then. And I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Living for God's not supposed to be weary days. I'm not hanging my head. I'm not beat down with God please get me out of here I can't take it anymore I said we're not going to sing it that way anymore Albert E. Brumley wrote some great songs but I disagree with him on this point and we're not going to sing just a few more weary days we're going to sing just a few more happy days and then yes. right you've heard me sing it that way so, I, you know, we, I get to look at it. The words to a song really matter to me. They really do. They matter to me. So I got to noticing this song that Israel's singing. Exodus 15 and verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's my strength. He's my, listen, listen. I'm still preaching to somebody that you're here with situations you don't know how to solve. You listen to me tonight. You want to know where you're going to find strength? You're not going to find it in yourself. The Lord, the Lord yes. is my strength. Yes. The Lord is, if I make it, I'm going to make it because he helped me. If I get through this, I'm going to get through it because he brought me through. Yes, sir. The Lord is my strength. And song. And song. And he has become, he my, has salvation. become my salvation. He is my he God. He is my God. And I will prepare and him. I will prepare him. And habitation. And habitation. My father's God. And I will exalt. I'm going to build the Lord a house. I'm going to build him a place for him to dwell. I'm going to create a place where God 
God feels comfortable because I don't know when that next Red Sea experience is coming and I want to make sure God's right there in the room so I'm going to build him a habitation I'm going to prepare him a habitation you know where I'm going some of you do you know where I'm going because you know what his habitation is this is what Psalm 22 verse 3 says but thou art but holy, thou art holy. Oh, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel I'm going to build you a habitation hey king I need some help so I'm going to build you a habitation I need deliverance I'm going to build you a habitation I need victory so I'm going to build you a habitation Oh, let's everybody stand. One hour and 13 minute flight and we've landed. Now it's up to you. What you want to do from here is entirely up to you. But I'm going to tell you what I think you ought to be doing. situations I got troubles I don't know how I'm gonna deal with them oh yes I do he gave me a garment <laughs> he gave me a garment I want him to see I'm wearing it tonight I'm gonna build him a house as long as the Lord's in the house it's gonna be all right as long as the Lord is in the house everything is gonna be okay Come on, let's praise him tonight. Come on, let's praise him tonight.